0: Welcome to the All People's Church Podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good evening. Happy Wednesday. It's good to be in God's house. I want to welcome those of you watching online, uh, whether you are watching live or... You are listening in your car. We thank you so much for joining us. If you are new to our space, my name is Moses Kahn. I'm one of the pastors uh, here at All People's Church. And I have the honor and the privilege to uh, lead us tonight in uh, in the study of, of Matthew. And we are in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. And I also have the privilege of being in a room full of... My friends, amen. If you're watching online, just to let you know, we are open in person on Wednesday nights. And so you can absolutely show up here at 7.30 uh, on a Wednesday night. And uh, and we can have a good time in God's word together. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you would turn to Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 24 to 27 we can get we can get started. We are uh, almost done our um, our bit in the Sermon on the Mount. So remember, we are journeying through the Gospel of Matthew, and so um, we we did chapters I believe one to um, one to four, and then we took a break. And then we went back into the Gospel of Matthew to do the Sermon on the Mount, which is, of course, chapters 5 to 7. And we are almost concluding the Sermon on the Mount. And so we'll take another break from the Gospel of Matthew, do something else for a little bit, and then jump back into the Gospel of Matthew and pick it up with chapter 8. But tonight, verses 24 to 27. As always, I encourage you to have a notebook um, whether it is a, or, or a cell phone or whatever you are comfortable taking notes on um, so that you can get the most out of tonight's study. If you're there, say amen. Okay, let's, let's read. I'm reading out of the ESV translation. Um, it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And great was the fall of it. Father, we thank you for these minutes and moments that you have granted us by your grace and your providence to gather as your people. And I just pray that our time here, Lord, would be fruitful. Lord, that we would all just assume a posture um, that is teachable, Lord, that is correctable, that... Uh, that is willing to ask the deeper questions, the hard questions. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would have access to our hearts and our minds. And so uh, that the result of tonight uh, would not be so that our heads get bigger, but that we would fall deeper in love with you and become deeper and more consistent followers of your incredible son, Jesus. And so I thank you for those in the room. I thank you for those online and those listening and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak. Speak and sanctify us in accordance to the image of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. If you're new to Wednesday nights, you know we go through it uh, verse by verse um, so that we can get the most out of it and that we don't skip scriptures that we're not comfortable with. Amen? I can't be the only one. Hello? Uh, and so, and and, and you know... It, that's a, that's a human tendency we have to wrestle with, right? Because it's one thing to just be like, no, nah, I'm not like that. But the reality is we have tendencies to, to skip past things that make us uncomfortable, right? Like there's people you avoid because they make you uncomfortable, <laughs> right? Come on, we got some real people here tonight. It's Wednesday night, we could be real. Um, and so we do that with scripture. We do that with scripture as, as well. And so um, I, I, I love going through it verse by verse, because I am incredibly challenged as well in my, in my walk and in my relationship with God, just as I hope you are as we do this. And so let's, let's go through this verse by verse and let's see what God is, God is saying through, I would say this well-known passage of scripture. Would you agree with me there? Well-known passage of scripture. Let's, let's see how we can, we can break this down and, and learn from this and apply it to, to our lives here in, at the end of 2021. How crazy is that? We are at the end of 2021. Okay, so Jesus says, he says, everyone then. Everyone then. And so and so. what is Jesus saying? Right before he even continues, he, he, is, he is stopping, he is choosing his words carefully so that we would read what comes next in light of what he spoke. And so everyone then, what, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, in light of what, preceded in light of what I already spoke. And if you were here for the previous sessions, you remember literally the last couple of verses uh, before we get here, Jesus utters the words, I never knew you. Remember that? And so those words are not just are not just devastating, they're they're actually heartbreaking. For for someone for someone who is a follower of Jesus, who is in love with their Savior and their Lord. Uh, words like "I never knew you don't just bring fear, but they actually bring a level of heartbreaking uh, to, to our soul because, because our desire at the deepest level is to be with our Savior, is to be with Jesus. And so And so remember Jesus at the conclusion, right, at the conclusion of, of Matthew, Chapter 7, or really the conclusion of, of the Sermon on the Mount, he 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 very strategically ends. You, you remember this with, with the twos, right? He goes, a, a, a two of this, two of that, two of that. And so you remember there was there were two ways, right? And then there was what? Two trees. Remember that? And then there were the t- two claims. Remember the claims, right? The claim was, I never, Lord, Lord, didn't we? And then the second claim was, I never knew you. And now we have today the two, the two builders. The two builders. And Jesus is ending his sermon on the mount with the issue of a lordship. With the issue of lordship, right? That's what, he, that's what we finished off on last week. Because he says, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? So the issue of lordship isn't just a matter of what we confess and what we say, but the issue of a lordship, if you remember, you remember the secret, the secret of lordship? Was not everyone who, who says to me, Lord, Lord, but those who do the will. Do the will. So the issue of a lordship boils down to the will, the will of the Father. And it's a choice. It comes down to a choice. And where do we wrestle that tension? Not outside with our words. We wrestle that tension inside, in our soul, in our mind, and really in our will, right? That's the picture that we see of Jesus painted in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he is sweating drops of blood. And he is saying, Father, uh, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so the decision to surrender to the will of the Father happens internally. Now, why is that important, ladies and gentlemen? That is important because it is not just good enough sometimes to confess certain truths. We have to dive a little bit deeper, and that's what we're going to find out tonight is we have to ask the tough questions that are willing to go a little bit deeper at the level of our soul at the level of the foundation of our soul and what we really believe and what we have really surrendered to and so jesus says everyone then in light of what i've said in light of what i said then let's get rid of this so you can see everyone who hears these words now what are these words the Sermon on the Mount, right? And so Jesus, he proclaimed the kingdom, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he sits down and he begins to teach the Sermon on the Mount, which if you remember is what? A way for him to make the, the people of the kingdom, right? So his whole idea is I, I've proclaimed the kingdom and now how do I make the people of the kingdom? And if you're asking what are the, what are the people of the kingdom? Well, it's, 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 the hint is in the, in the name kingdom, the people of the king. The people of the kingdom are the people of the king. In what way? They surrender to his ways and his words. Now, why is that important? His ways and his words. In his ways, we find his nature and his character. In his words, we find his commandments, his teaching, his principles, right? And so, and so in his words, we adhere to what he says. And in his ways, we conform to who he is. That makes sense? In his words, we adhere to what he says. In his ways, we conform to who he is. So, everyone who hears these words of mine. Now, this is incredibly important. And, and and because we we are studying verse by verse, it makes sense to to just pause and allow the weight of this to sink in, at least so that we would understand uh, the weight of it as it would have applied to its original audience. Because Jesus says, "Everyone who who hears these words of who mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock." Now, notice what Jesus has just done. You remember where Jesus goes? He says, he says, he says, "Listen, I have not come to." abolish the law and the prophets. I have come to fulfill them. And really Jesus, how many know, was pointing at himself as the fulfillment, right? And so when Jesus says, I need you to catch this, when he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What has Jesus just done with his words? He has elevated them to the level of the law. In other words, what Jesus is really proclaiming is, I'm the new lawgiver. I am the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. I'm the new lawgiver. What is Jesus saying? He's saying it is not the authority of the Pharisees and their oral traditions. Because how many know that the, 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 the Pharisees didn't just push the law, they actually pushed oral traditions that they added on top of the law. So that's why Jesus had to say to them, he he's had to say to them, listen, you, you you understand the letter, but you don't understand the spirit. Right? Because they began to add oral traditions on top of the law. And so it's important for us to, to, to pause here because you and I obviously know, we understand, okay, Jesus is the fulfillment. We understand Jesus is the new lawgiver. He, he's, he's the head of the new covenant. We understand that. But just, just let the weight of that sink in in that day and age for that culture and those people listening to Jesus, all of a sudden, Jesus is asking them to make a shift on, on, on whose authority they live their life. So he says, anyone who, who hears these words of mine will be like a wise man. Who built his house on the rock? Now, uh, I, I don't know if you ask questions, but it's important to ask questions. I, the first thing that comes to my mind, as Jesus says, "Whoever hears these words, right, hears them, and and does them, will be wise." Now, my question is, how does this differ from what preceded, which was, "Lord, Lord, didn't we do, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this, and didn't we do that? How does this differ?" from that false claim to which Jesus answered I never knew you. So we have to ask that question because Jesus is saying whoever hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. So here is how it differs. When Jesus says these words of mine, he he is talking, remember, about the sermon on the mount. Now, we went through the Sermon on the Mount, and if you weren't with us, it's, it's, it's all on, I think, the, the, on YouTube or wherever uh, we're, we're located, Spotify and, and other po- podcast platforms. Um, but you remember, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus does not just deal with the issues of what your hands find to do, but he also deals with issues of what is hidden in your heart. Right? And so even within the Sermon on the Mount, you cannot escape the reality that Jesus, you, you can't come to the conclusion that Jesus is only dealing with what I do with my hands. You will be rocked because Jesus does not leave the human heart alone. And it's, it's almost as if you wish he would. Right? Like I just, Jesus, can you not for a, like for a moment, could you, leave my, could you leave my heart alone? Because I do a great job at ignoring what's in there. And yet Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount does not just address the issue of what we do with our hands, but he addresses the issue of what is hidden in our hearts. And that's why this differs from the claim, Lord, Lord, didn't we do? That's how it differs. Does that make sense? Okay. And so he says, he says remember, remember even, in, even in certain parts of Jesus' ministry where he will, he will teach a parable and then he will say something along the lines of, he who has he- ears... Let him hear, and so that's what that's what Jesus is that's what Jesus is alluding to here. Now, this um, is um, this is this is a, this is a fascinating note uh, right here. This this word right here does them. This this word in the Greek, right in the Greek, is is actually he who makes a path. Now that is fascinating because here's what that tells me. That tells me this individual did not just take Jesus' words at face value. He actually began to do something with them. He he began to usher his life as if his words are to live by. What a crazy concept. Right? Right? What a, crazy, what a crazy concept that we would take the words of Jesus, the author and the creator, and we would come to the conclusion these words are to live by. And so what does the wise man do? He takes the words of Jesus. He hears the words of Jesus, and he begins to make a path for his life in light of these words. In light of these words. Does that make sense? Is that good or what? And so what's the idea? The idea is that we don't just take the words of Jesus only as words that are to be known and applauded. And sometimes we have a struggle with that as, as churchgoers because we can hear the words of Jesus. And how many know Jesus has said some great things. He said some stuff that, that just sounds so wise. So I, I, remember, I remember one of my friends who, who was in construction, um, uh, he, he, would, he would do this strategically where he would quote Jesus without quoting scripture. So, so he, wouldn't, he, would just, he would just drop things that Jesus, had, Jesus said without saying, well, you know, the Bible says. And, and it would just spark curiosity. It would just, you know, just for, for one instance, you know, where Paul says he himself was told by the Lord Jesus, it is better to give than to receive. Right? And so he would just say things like, you know, in, in his generosity, and, and people were like, man, you don't have to do that. Well, he, he would say, well, you know, it's better to give than to receive. And, and these are secular construction workers. They'd be like, well, who, who, said, who said that? that that's, that's very interesting, right? And so there's, there's a level where, where, where we have to be careful because Jesus, Jesus says some wise things, Jesus says some very quotable things. Now, the wise man who builds his house on the rock understands that the words of Jesus are not just to be known and applauded, but I'm supposed to actually make a path in accordance to these words. I'm supposed to build my house on this. I'm like drawing and racing a lot, so hopefully you're keeping up. Um, and so then Jesus says, "Jesus says, he who he who hears and and does them will be like." Now this is this is actually, a, a in in the future tense. So so when when he's saying will be like, it's really become. Jesus is saying, "He who hears these words of mine and does them will become like a wise man." who built his house on the rock. Now, why is this future tense important? Why is is, is it important to understand that this is a becoming? Because there's a process. I was having a conversation with somebody and we were expressing our frustration with the fact that life has some processes, that you have to go through a process. And just like um, in many things, in our relationship with God, there is a process. And there's this process of becoming this wise man who built his house on the rock so he is a wise man a wise man a wise man you know much has been made of of wisdom and i I don't know about you but i feel like wisdom is lacking in our day and age hello like a lot of people have knowledge but not everybody has wisdom a lot of people, are, especially because we are living in a, a, a an age that is that is uh, so so heavy um, in terms of technology and information that is available to you, it is it is so easy and so uh, yeah so easy to become someone who is full of information rather than an indivi- that rather than an individual who has wisdom. And so the idea is, we need. Wisdom, if you read scripture, scripture makes so much of wisdom, right? You even have wisdom literature in the Bible. Your, your Proverbs, your book of uh, Job, Ecclesiastes, these are, these are books of wisdom. We know of Solomon who, who asked of God, give me wisdom. We, we know James who says, who says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask his heavenly father and he will give him wisdom freely. We know even in James that James says wisdom that is pure is full of mercy and full of good fruits. Full of mercy and full of good fruits. Wisdom puts things into action. Wisdom doesn't just settle for what I know. Wisdom moves beyond that into who am I becoming in light of what I know. So be like this wise man who does who does what who builds his house now really this is a metaphor for life isn't it The wise man who has wisdom from above who knows knowledge is not enough we need to move beyond that and actually become someone he builds his life on the rock the rock is the foundation the rock is the foundation. Amen, somebody. Now, what's interesting is that is that life just becomes pointless and useless if this isn't set right. If if your foundation is not set right, if you mess up the foundation, whatever you build becomes pointless. It becomes pointless. Now, it's important for us to understand that he built his house on the rock. Now, who's the rock? Yeah, it's Jesus. Let me, let me show you a scripture out of 1 Corinthians. If you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 10 to 11. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 10 to 11. This is Paul uh, talking here. And uh, this is what he says. This is what he says. He says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. What is Paul saying? Be mindful. Verse 11, he says, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, which is Jesus Christ. Christ. And so what's the importance of that? Even in terms of, of wisdom and principles of Jesus and being a wise person, a wise man, a wise woman, we have to understand that we don't build on wisdom. We don't build on principles. We build on Jesus. We build on the rock. We build on the foundation. That's why Paul says, let no one lay any other foundation except for Jesus. He is the foundation. Now, we continue and it says, and the rain fell and the floods came. Now, now, let me say this because we're talking about wisdom. Do you notice wisdom does not prevent the storm? Hello? Both the wise builder and the foolish builder experience the storm because wisdom does not prevent the storm. However, wisdom knows to prepare for it. Wisdom knows to prepare for the storm, but it does not prevent the storm. And so he says, and the rain fell, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall. But it did not fall. Fall. Now, when when he says, when Jesus is saying, and the rains fell, and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house. Now, uh, because it's talking about obviously a storm here, in in, in its context, we, we can understand that this storm is actually about judgment. So remember, even in the previous, even in the previous teaching, Jesus says, on that day many will say to me, what is that day? That day is the day of judgment. And so when he's talking about rains fell and floods came, winds blew and beat on that house, he's really just talking about the day of judgment. Now, that does not mean that it does not somehow still apply to the storms we face in life. I believe it does. However, the main point is the day of judgment. And so he's saying on that day, on the day of judgment, as there will be this storm, the rain falls, and the the floods come, and the winds, they blow, and they beat on the house. This house did not fall because, because it had been founded on the rock. It had been founded on the rock. So here's, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying at the end of the day, the question is not, what am I adding to my life? The question is, what am I building on? And there's a massive difference because sometimes I believe we are, we are uh, um, sometimes lulled into this idea that, that I just assume my foundation is good. And now as, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, my goal and my job is to focus on what am I building? What am I building? What am I building? What am I achieving? What am I doing? And yet Jesus says, no, 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 that's not, that's not the question. The question is not, what am I adding to my life? But what am I building on? In other words, what Jesus just said is, is, is the fight of eternity is one on the level of your foundation. That's where the fight is one. The rock is where he had built the house. The house did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Now here's, here's, an, incredible, here's an incredible question. So there's obviously the question of, of our salvation. And so the idea is, okay, Okay, Pastor Moses, what, what is it really saying? Is it, is it just that surface? How do we get a little bit deeper? And so in order to get a little bit deeper, we have to ask certain questions. Number one, if you were to really examine your life, examine your heart, examine uh, what you desire to pursue, the thing that moves you. What is your identity found on? And I can't answer that question. You have to ponder that question for yourself. Ask yourself right now, what is my identity found on? What's the foundation for my identity? Like what at the end of the day if I lose my job, if my marriage falls apart, if, if I go from being being prosperous to being broke, what at the end of the day still holds my identity? What at the end of the day is the foundation of my purpose, of my existence? What is the foundation? Your identity, your purpose, your reason for existence, what does it all stand on? And some of you, as I'm, as I'm talking, I'm sure you are realizing that there have been moments in your life where, where you realized something was wrong with the foundation. Something was wrong with the foundation. I went through a difficult time. I, I, I went through a divorce. I, I, I went through uh, losing a job. I went through not having enough finances, and, and I realized that, that I didn't just lose this thing. Something of my identity was shaken. All of a sudden, you realize uh, with this thing that you lost, whatever that thing is, your purpose went with it. What God has called you to be and become and do went with it. And so you have to ask the question, where is your identity found? Where is your purpose found? What is the foundation of your existence? The house that was built upon the rock did not fall. And then Jesus says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, does not do them. You know what's interesting? Both the builders hear the words of Jesus. Both the builders hear the words of of Jesus. Now, why is that important? Because even as we talk about, talked about in the last few, few sessions, the distinction Jesus is making is not between uh, 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 who are, who, not between uh, Christians and those who, uh, and unbelievers, the distinction, the fine line he is drawing is between Christians and true Christians. Because both hear the words of Jesus but he who does them, he who does them, is like the wise man. And he who does not do them is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. If he, he, there's there's a there's a portion in, in James, I believe it's I believe it's in James chapter one, where where James talks about. The importance of not just hearing the word, but doing the word, and and he says of the person, the man or the woman that 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 hears the word and does not do the word, that is like a person who who looks in the mirror, and walking away from the mirror promptly forgets what they look like. This 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 this, this word foolish man, right? That's that's a very polite way to put it, but in the Greek, it's, it means stupid. In other words, it's, it's illogical, Jesus is saying. For someone to, to get into the position of hearing the words of Jesus and perhaps even applauding the words of Jesus, but not doing the words and the works of Jesus not living out in the ways of Jesus. So, the, so, so we, we hear the same thing. So both the foolish and the wise builder hear the words of Jesus and both the foolish and the wise builder experience the storm. Jesus said, it shall rain on the just and the unjust. And the rain fell, the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great... Great was the fall. You're saying, what's the significance of this, Pastor Mo? What is, what is, this, what is Jesus really getting at here? This, this the great, great was the fall of it, is the result of superficial discipleship. The result of superficial discipleship is calamity. Remember where Jesus says, Jesus says, what king goes into a war without counting the cost, without questioning, okay, how, how many people, how many soldiers are on the enemy's team? How many soldiers do I need? The cavalry, the, the arsenal, what, what do I need? What king goes into a battle without counting the cost? And so, and so what, is, what is superficial discipleship? Superficial discipleship is following Jesus or claiming to follow Jesus without counting the cost. Without really asking the deeper questions. I was having a meeting with with, with an individual, and uh, and we were we were just talking about the tension between what what we feel like God has called us to do and has called us to become, and and uh, and this brother, he made a statement uh, like, "What if what if what if I'm what if I don't have what it takes?" How many of you have ever wrestled with that? And so I said to him, well, well, what of the words of of Paul who says, says, therefore all the more shall I boast in my weaknesses. for, For it is right there in my weaknesses where his strength is perfected. And here's a statement that I made to him. I said, followers of Jesus or even churchgoers who don't wrestle with that tension, who aren't asking the deeper questions, that verse means absolutely nothing. But when you're wrestling with the deeper things and you're asking the deeper questions, the reality and the truth of what Paul utters there that I boast of my weakness because in my weakness, his strength is perfected. That means everything. And so, superficial discipleship doesn't ask the deeper questions, just goes along with the ride. And so, and so, and so storms, I believe are necessary. so storms are necessary for the survival of your soul one of the things that we sometimes struggle with just as the body of christ in general is we don't suffer well we don't we don't suffer well we And so, storms that come, they come in our life and they shake us up, and, and, and to some degree, they even shake the foundation, and we find the house falls. So, we have to ask the question did, did I build on the rock or did I build on the sand? And some of you, you've been shaken up with the storms of life, multiple storms. And you have had your house shaken. You've been rattled in terms of your identity and purpose. And and who am I? And what does this mean? And so you have to take a hard look. And you have to get it right. And let me say something that, that doesn't make sense at the surface, but if but if you if you heard the heart of the message tonight, you'll, you'll understand what I mean. Storms that expose our foundation are means of grace. You're like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like grace. They are. Storms that expose our foundation are means of grace why because they give us an opportunity to get it right now in this life so that we don't have to pay for it with our eternity and that's why god rocks and allows things to happen sometimes in our Life, so that we could come to the place where we say, what did I build on? And if you're listening and you realize you've built on sand, don't take that as shame and condemnation. Take that as God's grace so that you can come to a place where you can build on the rock. You can build on the rock. What's the point? The point at the end of this, is, is, is not, can I survive this life? But can I survive the judgment that is coming after? And, and any storm we face in this life is a means of grace to be prepared for the judgment. It's a means of grace. A means of grace. Grace. And so the more you get a handle on God's grace, the more you, you grasp the, the, the beauty and the reality of God's grace, the easier it becomes for you to surrender to his will. Telling you, if you and I struggle with surrendering to the Father's will, it's because we have not grasped his grace And that's why Jesus says, come to me, come to me. All who are weary, tired, burned out on religion, just come to me and experience my grace so that you can fall in love with my will. And I'm telling you the secret to living a life of obedience to the Father's will is living a life that is submerged in the, is, in, is submerged in the grace of Christ. That is the secret. Because as we submerge into his grace, we give more of ourselves to his will. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's about Lordship. The question is, how much of you does the Father have? How much of your will does the father, the father have? Does he have you? Your will, your, your priorities, your desires? Or is it superficial? Is it superficial? Is it superficial? There. The scary part of superficial discipleship is, and and we're we're almost done and I'm about to drop this, but the scary part of superficial discipleship is that you can convince yourself that as long as I'm obedient to the commandment, I'm all right. But, okay, let me, let me think. You, you, remember, you remember Saul and Samuel? And, and, and God and God asks Saul to, to get rid of some livestock. You remember that? In fact, there was a lot of livestock. And, and Saul is questioning like, why, why are we gonna, why are we gotta do this? We, we could use this livestock. Why, why are you telling me to get rid of it, God? And God's like, No, no, I'm telling you to get rid of it. And so you would think Saul would get rid of it, and he doesn't. He keeps it. And when he's confronted by Samuel, Saul says, Well, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I figured we could, I figured we could use this livestock and 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 and, and use it for sacrifice. And we can worship God. And there are the famous words uttered by Samuel. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Here is what Samuel was really saying in that scripture. Saul, God didn't want the sheep. He wanted you. So how much of you does the Father have? God, we thank you for these moments where you can can access our hearts and our minds. And I just pray, Lord, that that we would all just, just open up before you right now and ask you to assess our hearts and assess our our minds, Lord, even if we even if we have, have built a life of, of superficial discipleship where we have not truly given ourselves over to you and over to your will. I pray, God, that we would just find ourselves in in a space emerged in your grace, knowing that we don't have what it takes. Our, our resume is not good enough. We don't qualify whatsoever. If it was not for you and your grace. Help us to see the beauty of that. Help us to be overwhelmed by your love that lasts a thousand generations so that we could see not the restraint, but the freedom that is found in your will. Help us to give ourselves to you our identity, our purpose, our reason for existence. May it all be founded upon you, our rock. And let the rain come. Let the the storms come. Let the winds blow. And let us remain steadfast on you, our rock. So I bless your people in your name, amen.